this is episode number 15 of The Inspiring Talk with international speaker Lena K. Welcome guys to The Inspiring Talk. My name is Vijay Gautam. I'm host for this show. Each week I interview today's most successful and inspiring personalities to help you realize your inner potential. Welcome, welcome, welcome guys to yet another amazing episode of The Inspiring Talk Podcast. First and foremost, I would like to thank Audible for providing me with a free audiobook of The Autobiography of Benjamin Franklin, which I really enjoyed listening on my way to office. I highly recommend you to grab your free audiobook by visiting theinspiringtalk.com forward slash audible. Audible has the largest collection of audiobooks, which you can listen on your commute or while cleaning, cooking or in between spaces such as waiting for a bus or standing on the queue by visiting theinspiringtalk.com forward slash audible. That is A-U-D-I-B-L-E. You will get a free one month trial and a free audiobook of your choice. You can cancel the subscription anytime if you don't like the service and the book will still remain with you. So why not give it a try? Grab your free audiobook now by visiting theinspiringtalk.com forward slash audible. Okay, with that being said, I am very, very pumped off for my guest for the day, Lena K. Lina is an international speaker, transformational coach and trainer who was born in Kurdistan, Iraq and raised in London as a refugee. Lena dropped out of her university to manage 10 gambling establishments in London for several years to start her career and eventually led the team in business banking. In her mid-twenties, however, she found herself living in homeless hostel, depressed, overweight, with a brain tumor and living on benefits. She discovered neuroscience, quantum physics, meditation and law of attraction used the knowledge to transform her life and helped many people on her journey as she organically fell into coaching. Her TEDx talk titled Three Steps to Transform Your Life has got wide accolade from viewers. This lady for sure has got a message to transform the world for better. In this episode, Lena shares story of her life that she said has never shared before. She talks about how she was able to come out of the darkest phase of her life, how you can use visualization and manifestation to achieve your goals faster, how you can get clarity of your thoughts and goals, how you can get your creative juices flowing and lot more. Make sure guys you share this episode with your friends by visiting theinspiringtalk.com forward slash 15 and you can also access the show note of this episode by visiting theinspiringtalk.com forward slash 15 where I have linked every resources we discuss in this episode such as books, videos, personalities and links. Now, let me welcome my guest for the day, Lena K. Welcome back inside the episode number 15 of the Inspiring Talk podcast, my friends. I'm so glad in having Lena K with me here. Hey, Lena, welcome to the Inspiring Talk. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, BJ, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. 
It's my absolute pleasure in having you, Lena. Is it morning where you are right now, Lena? It is, yeah. So I'm in um, the States at the moment and it is, yeah, it's the morning now, about 10, 10.45. Wow. How's the weather like there? It was snowing last night, so uh, pretty cold, yeah. <laughs> uh, here in Delhi, winter had just started and uh, I mean, it's like, ooh, it's cold. So, Lena, what does your morning ritual look like? My morning rituals um, entails of silence. So I make sure that I'm very, you know, there's, uh, it's kind of like a silent meditation, but I'm doing stuff. So I'm just very aware. Um, I start off with lemon and ginger hot water. Mm-hmm. Um, I will follow that later on with a coffee, but I always start my day with lemon ginger water. I find that just wakes up, you know, the, I say to people, look, the coffee wakes up the brain, but you want to wake up the organs, the body, the cells. <laughs> and so the lemon ginger water, I, I absolutely fell in love with this ritual. And anybody that I uh, invite to ch- try this out for a couple of weeks, they end up just having it as a lifestyle. So it's super simple, lemon ginger water. And then I like to do something physically um, mm-hmm. active. So whether that is yoga, qigong, with me and my partner, we go to the gym together, we do weights. I love Zumba. You know, whatever mm-hmm. it is, I say to people that, you know, whatever works for you. So for me, um you know doing some physical activity and then journaling as well i like to journal get my thoughts out on paper set my intentions for the day um yeah and it's it's, it's super simple and, and during that in the background after i've had enough silence if that makes sense then when i'm inspired to i will play some audio or m- music that makes me feel good um, just to have something on in the background that I'm consuming something positive. So no social media, no business, no emails, nothing first thing in the morning until I deal with myself. So it's all about you. Morning is all about you and your body. The, yeah. Your body and your mind. Mind, body, soul. I feel connected. I feel centered and I feel then ready to serve the world because I've served myself. Awesome. I love that. And I'm definitely going to try that lemon and ginger uh, water. Is that hot or lukewarm water or it's just you soak it overnight or well, what is that? No, I just have have it with hot water, but I do put a little bit of cold water in just to, so that I can drink it straight away. Otherwise, I will probably go back to sleep. So I, just, I like to just drink, be able to drink it straight away. But it's, yeah, it's warm. It's warm water. Oh, awesome. I, I'm going to try that. I'm yes. going to try that. And I'm going to get back to you how does I feel. Yes, yes, I'm excited. Good. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, um, Lena, I would like to begin this conversation from very early days of your life. You mm-hmm. were born in North Iraq and moved to UK as a refugee of Gulf War. What was the yeah. very first impression or memory of coming to UK? I'm interested in knowing this, you know, because as a child in Iraq, you have seen the violent environment and mm-hmm. crimes and now you landed to the peaceful part of the world. So what was your first impression like? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's so I'm from the Kurdistan region of North Iraq. So it's this, it's, um, Kurdistan is a different, uh, you know, tribe than the rest of um, Iraq, a different culture, different government. And mm-hmm. so that alone, uh, it creates, there's a lot of conflict and we have so many, so many different wars. Um, mm-hmm. But coming into the, the, the UK, to be honest, I was too young to remember any of the violence. Mm-hmm. I remember that it was distressful because we moved from, it was when Saddam was bombing the Kurds with chemical bombs. And mm-hmm. so I remember uh, little little kind of snippets of, um, that I, you know, we had to go through the mountains on horseback. 
uh, through the snow. We had to be smuggled into Iran. And I remember little glimpses of being in Iran because it was quite a horrible environment. Lots of different families living in one house. And it was just, you know, struggling with rationing food and things like that. And so I remember food. Typical me. I remember food out of everything. I don't remember <laughs> war, but food. I love food. So, um, yeah, I just remember, you know, the food, like knowing that, that, that you know, that we're, we are not doing very well because we're, we're very, you know, struggling with food. But in London, my first memory is actually trying to communicate. So I remember being in a school trying mm. to communicate. I was six years old, trying to communicate what I meant. And I wanted some scissors and I just had to use my hands, you know, do the signal of cutting with my hands mm. and, and then learning that meant scissors. And then they had these pets in the, mm. In, in the school and I remember so my first words that I really remember learning was scissors and rabbits those are the two <laughs> words. and yeah. that's my earliest memory of coming to the UK uh-huh. and it was every day I'd come home from school and I would teach my parents what I learned so I would teach them rabbit this is so it's very interesting because normally your parents teach you I had to teach my parents yeah. from a young age things that I was learning you know in in English or in in the culture um so yeah that was my earliest memory just trying to communicate hmm. so um it 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 so definitely have been you know tough for you as well since you had a speech impediment as a, a kid you used to stutter a lot right yeah so this was when I was a little bit older um I developed this stutter this speech impediment this stammering and it was really hor- horrible experience and it was so embarrassing because whether it was in front of one person or in front of the class I would just struggle to get the words out of my mouth or there would be pauses and I couldn't it's like the words are there the ideas there the thoughts I just couldn't get them out of my mouth to flow mm-hmm. um, in a yeah. sentence and that was really really uh stressful um you know really kind of affected my my confidence as well in speaking um so yeah I had a speech therapist you know sometimes it would be good it wouldn't be there other times Mm. it would just be there um a lot and so it was just yeah it would just kind of come and go as I grew up in my teens Mm -hmm. yeah so how did you do at school I actually done really well in school I was very naughty in school um because being cool at the time was more important than studying clearly but mm. i actually done really well so in english uh, surprisingly mm. in english in high school i done really well i got a star for speaking and listening i got an a for english language b for literature mm. everything else i got a c but i was really happy with that considering i was studying but at the time it was more important to try and fit in socially for me. So it was, you know, it was a lot of social dynamics in the school um, that was always getting my um, my attention. And those days we didn't have social media. Yeah. Write letters, you know, we would just write letters to each other all the mm. time. <laughs> and so that distracted us too. So, um, yeah. yeah, that was, I done, I done, I done pretty well in school. Yeah, awesome. So since you came from a totally different background and it sure had been uh, tough, uh, like, you know, yeah. as a kid for you in that terms as well. And both of your parents were working as that ta- at that time? or Yeah, I'm, I mean, yeah. And, and it's interesting you say that because the, the hardest, I mean, I say I've done well in school in terms of the grades, but it was the hardest. It was uh, emotionally because of the culture clash. So, yes, my mm. dad worked. Um, 
you know, he started his business when I was in, in the UK when I was about 11, 12. And so um, as he started his business, of course, you know, we had to understand, okay, daddy started a business, so you can't have any luxuries. We're going to be going very basic, back to basics again. So <laughs> no crisp, no chocolate, just rice. And we're going to have cereal in the morning and we're going to have just basic, you're going to have your meals, but nothing, don't ask for anything extra because daddy borrowed a lot of money. Mm. and that was fine like we understood that it was that was fine yeah but it was the cultural clash it was you know it was the reason why at 14 I just I tried to commit suicide at the age of 14 because I just didn't want to be here anymore like I just didn't mm. I hated the cultural difference because everything that is right in the Middle East is wrong in the UK and everything mm. seemingly at that age that was right and cool in the UK was wrong in the Middle East so I was stuck in between this kind of limbo land of you know what is what can I do I can't live like this because you know the cultures are so opposite and it caused a lot of conflict within me and I just wanted to just end my life you know um, yeah maybe that was also because uh, you know what you have learned all your life is now it seems or whatever you have learned in your home or maybe uh, in your family uh, that now when you go out and talk to people and it's like this is not how we do things you know this is not how we talk or you know so that 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 could also be one of the many reasons for that so um now you left your university to run 10 gambling establishments what what pulled you off your university was that the money or the opportunity to learn it was definitely the money i mean i loved what i was learning at university i was doing really good at it i was doing um i was majoring in communication studies and minor in cultural studies and i absolutely loved what i was learning i love the university i love the location i love the people but um in my in one of the summers i got a part-time job working for this gambling shop um just you know be doing the the safe and the money and things like that and i think very quickly they saw leadership skills and so um as i developed to work with them one thing that they realized was that you know they because they gave me so much responsibility during that summer in the university i don't know how big your breaks are but it was quite a big break from i can't remember mm. when but it's quite a few you know like a few months until you proper get back into the swing of work uh studies yeah. again and in that space of time i mean in the first month they gave me the keys to the shop after that because i could drive as well they would um if there was any problems any of the shops i would go there and i would you know so very very quickly I became uh, into like a leadership kind of position in the company. And then I had to go back to uni. When I went to uni, mm -hmm. they had problems. When I was in class, there were problems. When I'm working, there's mm -hmm. no problems. <laughs> no one's bothered. <laughs> no senior managers bothered. Everything works like clockwork when I'm there. So they decided to um, offer me a position uh, with a lot at the time, which was a lot of money, uh, to leave university and work full time for them. Um, and so I done that. I done that for... It was for the money, but also at the time, something I've never actually spoken about. Um, I've never spoken about this publicly, um, mm -hmm. but it's just come to, to my awareness now. So I feel like we're going to share this moment now, BJ. So um, at the time, I was 21. My boyfriend, three years, was involved with his, I don't know, it was like in um, with some retaliation crime in another city. And him, his brother, his friend, this one's friend, that they all, because they were together, there was a horrific crime that was committed. And because of that, 
they all were sentenced to life in prison. So at the age of, they were all between 19 and 23 or something. All of them were sentenced together, whether they'd done something or didn't do anything. They were all sentenced to life imprisonment, which means they wouldn't leave prison until they're in their 40s. And it was such a horrific crime that it was all in the papers. It was in the television. All my friends are calling me, oh, my God, is this true? Is this happening? I can't believe it. And, you know, the police are going to my parents' house to find out if I'm involved or what I knew. And I'm like, oh, my God, I've got nothing to do with this. Mm. Um, And it was such a stressful time and embarrassing time for me because, you know, of course, in our culture, we don't have boyfriends. We just get married. You know, you don't have boyfriends. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be engaged before you start yeah. dating. So the fact that it was one boyfriend that I had actually showed my parents, well, not my dad, but my mom knew, and that she was aware I was in this relationship with this person. And he'd met my friends and he'd met my brothers. And it was so embarrassing um, you know, because it was all over the papers and people would call me nonstop. Oh my God, is it true? Is it really him? Oh my God. And it was horrible. So it was that stress of being in class. Some of the people that knew, of course, they're supportive, but some people that didn't know, there would be people sitting around me reading the papers talking about the crime. And I know hmm. that it's, you know, my freaking boyfriend or ex boyfriend that's just been it. So it was, it was really stressful time. I was smoking a lot and I was, you know, not sleeping very well at all. One thing I can do well, I can do very well is work. And when Mm. they offered me that position, I think the money was one thing, but the other aspect was all the stress that was going on at the time. It was highly stressful. So I just left uni and I pursued Mm. work and I, I literally became a workaholic. The companies ran so well. They gave me 10 gambling shops in southwest london to manage all the shops all the staff all the new staff all the recruitment the the promotion anything Mm -hmm. to the customers everything was me and i was in my early 20s and i had to learn very quickly i'm in my early 20s there are staff members that are old enough to be my parents and my grandparents and getting them to to respect me getting them to do what they have to do when i'm not there because there's 10 shops. I can't be in all 10 shops at the same time. So I learned leadership skills from there. I had to really be a leader and be a good one and be approachable, but be respected, you know, and learning all these different dynamics and leadership that I wasn't trained. I just had to learn it myself through just, you know, experience. Mm. And uh, yeah, that also made a significant difference in your own life in terms of like you got that opportunity to learn about leadership and different dynamics working there. Maybe you would have uh, not been able to acquire those at university. I mean, either way, right? So maybe there are a lot of things that you could have learned at university that you missed. But at the end, it's uh, the knowledge that you gain from the first end experience is uh, like, you know, nothing better than that, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So what happened after that, right? I mean, what are the different works or titles uh, that you have done after that? So after that, um, there was actually a weird dynamic within that company so it was was, they had really poor leadership skills I was the best one of the best kind of in terms of keeping um you know looking after the staff and being just ethical you know um so there was a lot of problems there ethically within that company and dynamics Mm -hmm. so I was looking for something else more professional so Mm -hmm. 
I I can't remember how, but I um, went for an interview with uh, Royal Bank of Scotland and NatWest Bank in, in London to do business banking. And they, you know, in my interviews, they said to me, look, this position, it was like an entry role, like the very lowest role you can do in the bank, in business banking. Mm-hmm. And they said to me, you know, look, this role is less, paying less than what you're currently earning. And I said to them, I'm not here for the money. I'm here for the professionalism. I want to work in a company that is professional, you know, that has integrity, that has good leadership skills I can learn and develop from. I don't mind taking a pay cut. <laughs> so then I, I, yeah, so of course I got the job. I worked uh, for, this, uh, for uh, business banking. And again, within four weeks, they, they were, I was the one training new staff in four weeks. And uh, very mm-hmm. soon, within six months, any, any manager, any team leader that was off sick, that had an injury, that was on holiday, I would cover them. And then they decided they're just mm-hmm. going to give me my own team. They're going to give me a team in the back. And, yeah, within, mm-hmm. you know, under a year I was managing, I was a t- I became a team leader. Um, oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, awesome. So, I mean, then there also you uh, took your position as a leader, but then you quit everything and then... Um, there was a phase in your life where that was the lowest. Can you please talk about the darkest phase in your life? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I mean, it's it seemed totally perfect, right? The girl uh, who was in gambling business now went to the professionalism and she became leader in there and such a respected position in a bank and banking business and all that sounds really perfect for me as an outsider. But is I have heard you saying that it 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 was not the something that you know uh, you were satisfied at that moment. So something happened over there, right? So what was that? What happened to you? Well, it, it was a lot of toxic, toxic emotions. It was, you know, I was in everything looked good on the outside, but I was in a very toxic uh, relationship. I had very toxic relationships at home, so I was always being thrown out because I would. I'm, I'm quite a rebel, um, and oh, I was quite a rebel then, um, you know, mm. uh, and everything I would I don't even know why but it was just everything in me would always fight against authority and especially against parents against I always had questions and I would make my own rules in life and my parents are like well no you live in this house so there's a curfew there's a this and you know mm-hmm. and it was a problem because um I wouldn't stick to curfews and sometimes I couldn't literally stick to them because of work like you know especially mm-hmm. if I'm working late or something I can't stick to that curfew so it was a lot of toxic uh, emotions, but also my chronic headaches. It, they, it, I had a brain tumor, which was on my pituitary gland. So it wasn't cancer, mm-hmm. but it was on a gland that affects all the hormones in the body uh, as a female. And so my body, if I ever had blood tests, the doctors would always ask me, have you just had a baby? I'm like, no, because my hormones are so spiked all the time right from prolactin mm-hmm. that it looks like I've just either just had a baby or just about to. And so imagine all the time, like me and me not understanding why, you know, so emotionally being very kind of certain hormones being extremely spiked. Um, the, the boyfriend I was with, he was much older at the time and he really got me into cocaine um, and that's very addictive. So all the money that I was earning, I was always overdrawn. Mm-hmm. And if it was not for me, 
it's for him. And it's, it was, mm. so I was medicated by the doctors. I was mm. self-medicating on cigarettes and weed and, and, and cocaine. And I was so no. depressed. I was so unhappy. Uh, but I was seeking mm-hmm. help. So I was someone I would seek help. So even at the bank, um, I would be searching for psychologists and therapists. And I tried everything. Like I would go to seek therapy, but I never really found it helpful. So I would seek all the, I was very open-minded. I would try and go and seek help, whether it's private, I paid for yeah. it, or whether it was the bank paid for it, whatever it was. But I was trying to seek help. But um you know, certain times when I think, hold on, I'm working for the bank, but I'm sleeping in my car tonight because, you know, my parents have locked me out. And then when I when I, when I broke up with the partner, he, he started stalking me and blackmailing me. And so it was highly stressful for a young girl in my 20s for he's blackmailing me. My parents, you know, are not going to understand what situation I'm in. And mm-hmm. living in my car sometimes, it was just absolutely horrible and so I um I end up living in and really grateful actually to to be accepted into the YMCA the the homeless hostel so I was so grateful and even though people were like oh my god you're living in this tiny little room I was grateful to have my own space and freedom I was so grateful and I, and I felt safe for the first time because there was security at the door you can't just come in so my ex-boyfriend he couldn't just come in just like he used to come outside my family's house and say, Helena, you come outside and talk to me. And I say, I've got work in the morning, and my pe- like, it's like midnight. I've got to wake up in five hours. Like, what are you doing? We're not together. You know, we've broken up. And he mm-hmm. would blackmail me. If you don't come, I'm going to knock on the door and tell your dad everything about us. And it was so horrible. Sure. And in hindsight, maybe I should have just let him do that and just dealt with the consequences. But I just didn't want to deal with because me and my dad had a very violent relationship. Mm-hmm. So. I didn't want to spark that in any way. Most of the time, me and my dad would not be speaking in the house. That's how intense the environment always was. Mm -hmm. Um, And my mom would be in the middle. So they would fight over me. And if they're talking about divorce, it's because of me. (laughs) So everything, I was the problem in everything. And then I I, I lived in the homeless hostel. And I was happy to have my own space. But again, my my health was just going downhill. I moved on from there to, you know, the a temporary accommodation and, and I had my own flat. So it was a flat by myself. I don't have to live in a homeless hostel where there's drug dealers and there's these people all around me, you know, mm. drug addicts, these people, all these problems. And I think the reason they housed me quickly is because they could see I was still trying to work. So I, I cut down to part time, but I was still in the bank. I was trying my best mm. <laughs> to do what I can with what I had. And so they housed me quickly because I wasn't mixing with the drug dealers and drug people. I, I had no problems there. I would sit, stay in my room, read, do art, do, you know, watch DVDs, and I would stick to myself. So they quickly housed me. Um, and when I had my housing, then it was, um, again, I was just really spiraling into, I had, uh, you know, the, the depression, um, anxiety, I was medicated for everything. And, um, you know, a lot happened in that space of time that I really was praying for death. Like I, I didn't, I no longer believed in committing suicide. Yeah. So instead I would just pray like, God, like why am I here? Just take me please. You know, like why am I going through? I, I didn't see any purpose of my existence. 
sure so the girl having the respected position at the bank now is homeless and living at the ymc hostel and all those you know uh, you hit that rock bottom how did you manage to come out of that so um since as you said like you engaged yourself and you stopped mixing with all those drug dealers and all those stuff and uh, you started reading and locking yourself inside the room so are there any specific steps or uh, like specific habits that you took on so that uh, you came out of that yeah. phase of your life yeah so so luckily um you know i was just searching i was searching for help i was searching for something that would help me i went into every single religion i'm talking from you know um obviously my family are muslims so i would be reading the quran i'll be reading the bible i would go to churches i would go to harry krishna temples i would read up buddhism i would you name it the religion i've gone into it read about it got the book at my house you know the holy mm-hmm. book i was searching in everywhere i was looking into science i was and i couldn't find any answers and one day on youtube i um i was looking for some stuff and there was like this 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 i think it was like indian guy talking about manifestation i'm thinking what is he talking about and a friend called me at the time um and this friend is very self educated really into self education a lot and he was like what are you listening to in the background and i said i don't know someone talking about some kind of manifestation or something and he said mm so if you like that stuff he said check out uh, abraham hicks and i said well what's this person now i that that advice that's how i found a video from abraham hicks from esther hicks i don't know if you're aware of her mm-hmm. the teachings of abraham yeah. and that video that changed my life because mm. it was talking about and it wasn't just obviously it's not the video it's the the information i i i came across was at the right time for me and it was talking about the nate that you create your reality that you are responsible 100% for your reality you create it the good and the bad and it comes from your focus so then i was like hmm how can that be true what my my tumor i i i attracted the tumor the fights of my family the toxic relationships like i attracted all of that really so i decided to look into the science i tried to i try i tried to find things that were against that so i was being introduced to the law of attraction then i thought this is crazy because i've never heard of this before no one's told me no no religious person i haven't been told this in the education system no one that is educated with the government nobody has told me anything about this law of attraction mm-hmm. that's supposed to be universal mm-hmm. law so then i i searched into why law of attraction doesn't work or why it's fake and everything i was i wasn't really finding much i looked into the science of it though scientific mm-hmm. reasons why its law of attraction is true and i found so many things from physicists from scientists mm-hmm. from quantum quantum physics documentaries and films online i was like oh my god and then i re- realized hold on my uncle he's a mm-hmm. science professor in iraq and his favorite subject is quantum physics he's a biologist he's a physicist let me contact him Mom, what is this i want to talk to this uncle your brother what is his details she gave me details and i spoke to him i said is this stuff true do you really create your reality for your perception because i'm looking online the scientists say it's true the philosophers say it's true everyone but no one's told me this he said oh my god this is my favorite subject yes he was like of course it's true yes it's physics he said to me this is this is the the first class in physics i teach people is this <laughs> he goes no the class mm. students in my physics class in university learn that their reality comes from perception he said the problem is most people see it as theory they don't practice it in their life 
Mm. I said, oh, that's interesting. Let me see if I can actually practice this. So then I started some, just some very, they sound simple, BJ, but this is stuff that, you know, we can, like your listeners can try if they're not already doing it. So it was simple things like every day, Mm-hmm. writing down buying a journal every day I write down 10 things I'm grateful for this was my morning routine then when I was trying to change mm. my life 10 things I'm grateful for and sometimes it will be really hard because I'm not used to thinking like that that was not yeah, yeah. so it was 10 things I'm grateful for and I decided I'm not going to start the day until I write down 10 things I'm grateful for yeah. By the way, I mean, uh, just before this interview, one of my younger brothers, yeah. uh, distant brother, just texted me like, you know, my life is so hectic and stressful. Can you please tell me something that uh, how can I be happy? And this is the same exact thing I told him, right? You know, tomorrow morning when you wake up, pull a pen and paper. And the first thing that you do tomorrow is like write what you are grateful for. Yeah. Do it for next seven days and come back to me. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I just told him, you know. And um, sorry to interrupt you you may like to continue now no 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 it's that's so cool but it's it's so helpful because it changes your focus and so yeah what I started to do was that and also um the not to complain focus on the positive so not to complain throughout my day just to be practice awareness practice being in the present moment and just observing things and what this done for me it repaired my relationships incredibly quickly because no longer I was judging people I was just sitting back and observing and I was being involved involved in the conversations but I was no longer judging there was no right and wrong anymore I was just experiencing engaging these people and this changed my relationships with my family so quickly it was incredible to me but the main thing it changed was my emotion because all of a sudden I felt so grateful. I felt so grateful to be alive, to come across this information. And my first thing I created was the change in emotion. And I was able to just have a different connection. And I felt for the first time ever really connected to what you might call God or the creator. And I was seeing signs everywhere. I felt connected when I was out in nature. I was taking the bus. I just felt connected in this frequency I've never experienced before. And I knew this is real. This is this is what is real. This is why I haven't felt so good because I've been disconnecting myself from this for so long through being in a negative state. So then it was okay. I need to be in this zone as often as I can, and that really yeah. that started my my exploration and my journey. And that's you know that's kind of organically how I fell into coaching because people would see me. They're like, "What on earth happened to you?" Because they're like, mm. "You have changed so much." What on earth happened? What do you know? Share with me. Tell me what you know because you've changed. You look different. You sound different. You 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 just your energy's different. And so I knew because people could see very quickly on the outside something's changed about her. Yeah, absolutely. Lena, a lot of people talk about like visualization and they are like, I have been visualizing for this many days or months or years, but not seeing, you know, any benefits since you have been practicing and teaching about visualization to many people. uh, What do you think is most people don't understand about visualization? Visualization, you know, before you even get into the visualization, I mean, you can do it a couple of ways, but you have to believe that something is possible. And yeah. so you can do things in a couple of ways. If you find out what you want, so just, you know, identify what you actually want to create and then identify your beliefs about it because that will block you. So there's no point in even, you're, you're just going to automatically, if you, if you want love, you want your, you, to meet your soulmate, 
but you believe you don't deserve it. You believe that God is not happy with you. You believe that, oh, the good ones are all taken. Your, your belief, that's what life is going to respond to. So then you work on the beliefs. How can I believe that this is possible for me? If you want more money, but you're, you come from a line of family that, that everyone suffers, you know, experiences poverty, you haven't really mm. experienced money, you don't even know what that's like, but you want more money, you have to believe it's possible for you. Um, you know, the same thing with health. The doctors tell you, oh, you, you have something and it's not curable. It's forgetting what they say. What can you change your beliefs? Can you soothe your beliefs to be in alignment with better health? Mm. And then you will you visualize so you want to kind of imagine yourself going forward in a time machine maybe a year from now maybe three years from now and you want to create that vision so visualize what it is you want but you have to use your different senses because some people are more auditory some people are very visual some people are touchy-feely so when you're visualizing you have to use your different senses in the visualization meaning what can you hear in the when when you're visualizing uh the future so let's say now we're coming up to the end of the year January, everyone has, you know, New Year's resolutions. Before that comes, think of 2018. What do you want to, at the end of 2018, looking back on the year, what do you want to have created? Close your eyes, imagine that. What does it sound like? What are people saying? What does it Mm. look like? What are the colors? Add details in. What details can you add into the vision? What colors? How more clearer can you make the actual vision? What does it feel like? What are you wearing? What does the ground feel like? What does it smell like? What does your mouth taste like? Like, you, You know, like using all your physical senses in that visualization so you can feel it. You can experience it like it's already here because your brain doesn't know the difference. So the more senses that you can use like that and then you don't just, oh, it's a vision. That's it. No. Then when you come back to the present moment, then it's, okay, what can you do today in the next 24 hours towards that vision? What can you do? It's not just mm. a goal. Hey, let's set goals. It's no mm. purpose led goal that is towards your vision. Your vision should pull you. It should motivate you enough, you know? So that's the thing with vision with visualization is that you have to add in details. Um, but also you have to believe what you want is true. Because you can visualize it, and when you come back to it, if your default, you go back to the believing that mm, it's not normal mode. Then that's what you're actually creating most of the time, because that's what mm. your attraction. So your emotion creates the attraction. It's not your thoughts. Your thoughts create emotion. So you have to feel good about the things that haven't come yet. You have to know and believe that those things are coming for you. That they're here. They're around you. In fact, that they you block yourself from them, that everything is available to you. And you, you have to really believe that anything you lose will get replaced with something better. So your life will just get better and better. Some people believe, hey, life is downhill from now. You know, oh, we just get older, then we die. And it's like, no, you get better. You get wiser. You you know, it's, it really matters what you believe. And yeah, that's why sometimes people say, oh, I visualize, but do you generate emotion? Do you feel, do you feel like, and then how long can you carry that emotion for? Is it 10 seconds or can you carry it for an hour? Can you carry that emotion for two hours? But you have to, the steadier you can hold that emotion, the more you're, you're creating, you're, you're pulling that reality into your existence.
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's about becoming the person. I mean, is I had one of my guests in uh, a couple of episodes back, Dr. Suki. He said like it's it's not about just thinking about that. It's about becoming who you uh, really want to be at that particular moment. It's not only like thinking for a moment, closing your eyes, thinking that okay, this is what I want to be at the end of 2018. And once you open your eyes, you are back to who you were. Exactly. I call it leadership. I, I call it become being a leader in, in as a like as your uh, lifestyle. You know, it's not just and that comes with being the person now who you're going to be in five years. Why would you wait five years? Why would you wait until you get the lover or the money or the health to be happy? If you're happy now, if you're positive now, and you act like it, we need more leaders. We need more lions. I say I, I attract people that are lions who pretend they're sheep to fit into society. And look, you're never going to fit in. You're a lion. You're not a sheep. You're not gonna, never going to feel comfortable with that. So it's, you know, it's really stepping into your greatness and being great now, not waiting for next year to be great. Be great in your moments and how you treat people and your kindness and your awareness. Moment by moment, just choosing to be a leader, you know, in any situation in life that life shows to you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm super impressed by the way you transform your life, Lena, from hitting the lowest point in your life to bouncing back with more power than ever is something most people struggle with. And you managed to do that with your continual hard work and dedication to transform and become who you are today. Uh, throughout this journey, Lena, what is the biggest understanding you got about the life or happiness? The life really does respond to you to your beliefs to your focus and to your emotions which is why no matter what happens no matter where i am on the planet no matter what situation i'm blessed that you know i've met my soulmate but if anything was to happen and me and him both have these beliefs that if for whatever reason we were to leave each other's life I know that I could handle that. I know that anything taken from me will be replaced with something better and that things don't happen to me. Like, look, I transformed my life back then, but I still deal with challenges every single day. No one's life is perfect. I, every day you're dealing with challenges. And, that, and I'm so grateful to understand that you can really, you create your reality and you will create it when you take 110 responsibility for everything that happens to you, good and bad. I've been through a lot of abuse and going back, me being able to, something that therapy and psychologists didn't give me was the awareness that, oh, what if I created that? Not because I'm a victim, but because I'm powerful in my focus. And maybe I wasn't subconsciously, I don't know what I was creating, but that all of a sudden gives me power to create something different and never to put myself in those situations again. So that has been the biggest life teaching. This is what I'm grateful for every single day that, wow, you know, the majority of people in this world, they don't understand this. And this is why they're very reactive. They're not living in their greatness. They, you know, the, the masses, unfortunately, they, you know, they respond to their media in a certain way and it, so many people, they don't live their fullest potential, which is why I've dedicated my life to helping people maximize their potential, turn their dreams and visions into a reality because it's a process. 
and understanding that creation is a process and you just have to trust the process of creation yeah. and you can create what you want. I feel so blessed to know that and I feel so inspired to share that with anyone who is ready to listen to that or anyone who knows that, but they just need a little assistance. They may be in the middle part of the process or the beginning or near the end. And they're trying to give up because they don't see. They've planted their seeds. They've been visualizing. They've been meditating. They've been looking after their body. They've been positive, but nothing's growing. Like the seeds are not growing. They're watering it every day. And it's, wait, just be patient. Keep doing the right thing. because Trust you, the process. Yeah, trust the process. Because the bamboo tree, that takes years to cultivate. You don't see anything growing. Because all it's doing is growing a massive, it's cultivating a strong root system. And once that root system is in place, it takes sometimes some species of bamboo four or five years to cultivate their roots. Once they do, that bamboo plant, that tree can shoot up a feet in a day. It can shoot up so high so quickly. And the reason it can do that is because for years it's cultivated a strong root system that can support its growth. So sometimes you don't see anything. You have to keep doing the right thing and people quit too easily. This is the problem. Oh, I've been doing this work for three weeks, Lena. My soulmate hasn't come. <laughs> what are you talking about? Trust the process. You're not doing it if you're noticing what you want hasn't come to you. So it's trusting the process. It's knowing that this process works for anybody. Anybody. If you're a human being, you can focus. This works for you. The only people I've realized it doesn't work for is people that are in severe stages, last stages of Alzheimer's, like my dad, because he can't, cannot focus. He can't focus his mind. You know, the brain, most of it's gone, it's dried up. So, but if you're, you have a functioning brain, if you can focus, then you can change your life, your reality, whatever you're experiencing. You can create whatever you want. Awesome. I really love that. Amazing. By the way, Lena, I got opportunity to go through some of your poems and I love the message you are sharing through these poems. And here's a beautiful line that touched me from your poem, Alchemist. Yeah. Go into your mind for exploration. Better your heart through demonstration. Empower yourself. Vision and belief and take action. Just fractions, but move forward. No distractions from the snake that hiss and the people that this remember this. You create your own bliss. You have the power to anything you wish. This is so powerful, Lena. How do you get your creative juices flowing? Honestly, I get my creative juices flowing by putting myself in the zone as much as I can. So creating the space for it. So my notebook, my pen, but for me, it's okay, putting my candles on, making sure I've meditated, I've done my, you know, um, my, my my routines, like I've done my things, my day-to-day -day things, and just allowing it to flow is trusting because when you're creating, you're creating something that's never existed before. So mm. you have to go into it and trust that step of the unknown. So it's setting your intention that you want to create, but also understanding that, and this is what's amazing to me, is that it's source energy or God or whatever you want to call it, you have to allow it to flow to you, so you have to surrender. So then it's, I surrender to the creativity that is going to flow through me, and it's me trusting in what I'm writing. And a lot of the times, um, you know, some people, uh, honestly, some people, they think they can get, they can only get creative through drinking alcohol or smoking weed. This is why a lot of musicians, you know, they smoke weed and this and that. But that's why I stopped all of that. I didn't want to to encourage anybody that they need anything external to make themselves creative. You 
have so mm. much you have access to the creator <laughs> so don't meddle around with it by using substances and what I found when I stopped using any kind of you know any stimulant I became more creative and those poems they come they I'm sober when I'm writing them um I don't you know I don't smoke I don't drink any like these things like I don't do them things anymore and I don't need to because I understand that everything I create myself and any tension I use mm-hmm. tension for creation I don't try and release it people try and release it with you know whether it's alcohol or food you know comfort eating I don't release that tension I try and hold on to it um until it's directed towards the creativity so I just set the intention that I'm, or I'm going to set some time aside um, and just being really in the in the receptive zone and thinking of after I come out of meditation and meditation, I don't have to meditate for like, you know, people think, oh, you have to meditate for ages. No, you don't. You don't need to be, you know, just lock yourself mm-hmm. up for an hour. Like, you know, a few minutes sometimes is enough to get you in the zone. Mm-hmm. And then what what is at the forefront of your mind? What is it you yeah, write about? It's, you know, what is it you want to talk about if you write music? What is it that is on your mind, is in your heart? And it's, yeah, it's just allowing that to flow through you. Yeah, awesome. Absolutely. I love that. And um, you, you also talk a lot about getting clear about what you want in life. And you talk about writing it down on paper mm-hmm. to figure out what you want in life. And I have felt that you yourself jot down a lot of your own thoughts on paper as i have seen you holding pen in some of your videos and almost all whenever you you know do this video from where you work i've seen the paper and pen lying on the table all the time and sometimes i have seen you holding on your hand so i get that sense that you have been writing a lot and lot and lot every single day so um and this is the last question for you before we move to the enlightening round. Mm-hmm. So what are the ways you yourself use to get clarity of your own thoughts? Oh, yeah, writing, writing, because your your brain is not designed to keep everything in. It's not a, it's not a, a, a dustbin that you just put everything in. It's, it's, you have to empty it. And the best way to get clarity over your thoughts is by mind dumping everything onto paper. Write down everything you're thinking, any stresses, any worries, any dreams, any concerns, your beliefs, and writing everything down. And then you can observe it from a different perspective. And you, you can change things. And your awareness, you can only change things if you're and through that creating clarity, it helps a lot when you break things down, you break things down, it, like your, your goals, sometimes they seem so big, but if you chunk it down, I, I call it reverse engineering. If you think of your vision, what you want to create at the end mm. of 2018, and then you reverse engineer it and you write down all the steps from then to now, what do you need to do? What needs to happen? What do you need to, who do you need to speak to? What research do you need to do? What phone call do you need to, all of a sudden they become doable things, you know? So it's um, just writing things down is the best way for me to get clarity, but also exercise because exercise just you can't deny the effects of moving your body has on your mind. The more you move, the exercise you do, it strengthens your mind. It strengthens and it makes you feel more confident and more clear as well. Um, and also nutrition. So when you eat junk food, it just affects your mind. It affects your focus. So making sure that the food that I eat is as natural as possible. Lots and lots of water, lots of veggies. If I do eat meat, I make sure it's super organic and like, you know, looked after like, like humanely, if that makes sense, as much as possible as I can. Um, 
but mainly just lots of greens and alkalizing. And just so if I'm looking after my body, if I'm, you know, putting in the right things, if I'm moving it, which is what it's designed to do, and if I'm emptying my mind and I'm allowing space for my mind to create new thoughts and for my mind to actually, you know, I'm creating that space in my mind. I'm not storing everything in. That is what helps me create so much, so much, so much clarity. Cause a lot of people, I find that um, when when we examine what they do, they're not doing the basics. A lot of people, they think some people, I talk to them, they're suicidal, they're depressed. They're not doing the basics. They're not moving their body. They're not journaling. They're not eating the right foods. They're not drinking enough water. And, well, of course you're going to be depressed. I would be depressed mm. too, you know. So it's doing the right things, whether you feel like it or not, is knowing you're a human being. You need to move your body. If you are blessed to, if you're not in a wheelchair, even if you're in a wheelchair, if you can move maybe your your eyes or your hands, doing exercises to move those parts of your body to strengthen them, you know, um, and just you're a human being, which means you need water. Some people say, I don't like water. Well, you don't like life, you know, you're made of water. Like, mm. so you need to drink water. <laughs> you need to eat lots of natural foods, these chemicals that in the foods now is it makes people there's a lot of neuro um uh, uh chemicals that, that that block your neural pathways that block your ability your brain's ability to think um and they create headaches and ev- like like the sweeteners my auntie had migraines for years and i said to her i was thinking hmm she drinks water she eats quite healthy she cooks her own food what could be wrong and one day me my mom and my auntie were having tea together and I saw mm-hmm. she put sweeteners, artificial sweeteners in her tea. I said, auntie, what on earth is this? Do you have this every day? She said, yeah, because it's better than sugar. I said, no, it's not. I said, this creates headaches. This creates new, it pops mm. new. And you know what? She stopped it. Her headaches, migraine stopped. And she'd been seeing specialists, migraine specialists and doctors for years. Mm. And when she stopped taking the sweeteners, it, her headaches mm. stopped. And it was, it was amazing. And my mom stopped as well. And you know, now they either have brown sugar or honey or natural, you know, just natural things. You don't need white sugar. It's poison. So just, yeah, just doing the basics of a human being, you know, you'll be able to think clearly if you are drinking, if you are journaling, if you are eating healthy food, if you're moving your body, it's always just go back to the basics. You know, it's never, it's never, it's not a secret. There's a process to these things. And yeah, it's not a secret to be a healthy human being. You can Google and you get millions of millions of mm. millions of things that can help free stuff yeah, yeah. lots of free stuff um, love yeah. free stuff yeah yeah guys i'm enjoying this conversation with lena and i hope you are as well so before we move to enlightening round make sure you subscribe to the inspiring talk podcast on your apple podcast or your favorite podcast app so lena are you excited about the enlightening round yes i am yes I'm yeah ready. awesome yeah. Awesome. Let's do this. Who is the most important person in your life and why? Um, the most important person in my life is me because unless I look after me and focus on that, I can't help all my clients. I can't try and serve the world. I can't be a good lover to my partner. I can't be a good daughter to my mom. I can't be a good sister. So the most important person always has to be you. <laughs> I love that. I love that. What inspires you for everything you do? Uh, what inspires me for everything I do is uh, just just growth, really, just growing and expanding. It's consciousness it inspires me. My vision inspires me. Um, yeah, for everything I do. Which one daily habit do you believe has been game changer for you in your success journey? One, one, just one habit. 
uh, you know, like let's say this is one habit that made me successful. If you have to put it in that way, what would that habit be? It would definitely be journaling because there's so many things you can do with it. It's not just, you know, yeah, journaling, hands down. Sure. Awesome, awesome. Which one book, if you have to say, or maybe you, you may like to talk about a couple of books, uh, according to you, is must read for everyone looking to make their life better? Okay, so I'm more of an auditory person, so I tend to listen to audios more. But definitely Asking It is Given by, by Esther and Jerry Hicks. It's a great one, great place to start, yeah. So if you were to start this success journey all over again, Lena, what are those three things that you would have done differently? Okay, I would definitely have stayed away from anyone that was negative. So I would have stayed away from any, because you become who you hang around with. So now that I know this now, uh, you know, if I could do it again, I would stay away from anybody negative, anybody doing things. Uh, and yeah, who are just negative people that drain me and don't encourage me. Um Second thing would be to just believe in myself and doing the work to actually believe in myself because it took me a long time, um, you know, to, to believe in myself um, and believe that I'm worthy and that God does love me and that I'm not a bad person. Um, so just the self-love, you know, I think I self love in my 30s now, but because I only discovered that knowledge in my 20s, mid 20s. So, you know, I've been eight years on this journey, but definitely self-love. I would have loved myself, being kinder to myself, um, I think. And the third one would have been I would have meditated every day because I think that alone probably would have calmed down the stress and I wouldn't have got the brain tumor and there's certain issues that I've had that wouldn't have spiked up and wouldn't have appeared in my life if I had have meditated because I would have had the awareness through the meditation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amazing, Alina. That has been amazing talk with you. So um, I have one question left for you. But before that, you may like to talk about how can people connect with you? So if they want to learn more from you and about your work, how can they connect with you? What's the best way? Okay, so the best way you can always find out more about me on lenak.com. But feel free to connect with me on Instagram and Facebook at I am Lena K if you're on social media. And um, sorry, were you going to say something? Oh, I was saying like Lena is super active on Instagram and Facebook. She's like posting videos almost every single day or every other day. That's for sure that she's going to drop a lot of values out there on Instagram. I've been following you for quite a time and uh, I'm a lot of value. Thank you. Yeah. And also, you know, I run a global mastermind group. So for those of you that just, yeah, you're, you're actually very serious. You want to transform your life. You want to meet like-minded people. Um, I've got um, an awesome global mastermind group we have members from india iraq uh, america england you know sweden you name it um and this is a way that i've created um like this just community of like-minded people we have online trainings and webinars and um it's just absolutely fantastic it's phenomenal and it's um it's got like over four thousand pounds worth of value and trainings and videos as well as we're organically still every single week we mastermind online and that there's a seven day free trial for people to try that. And then it's only some like 25 pounds a month afterwards. So if they want to try that, they can have access absolutely free for seven days, try everything, um, you know, check out the trainings, be introduced to the community. And after that, if they want to continue and be a member of the club, they can, if not, at least they've got, they've had access, you know, to all the trainings and videos that I have in there. 
Yeah, absolutely, guys. Make sure you connect with Lena and see what she's doing and go ahead and try that seven-day trial. And if you find value in it, and make sure that you become a member because I have seen a lot of members of her mastermind saying that has transformed their life in a true sense that they have found their purpose and they have got more clarity and they have found, most importantly, the tribe or the kind of people, like-minded people inside that mastermind group that helped them in networking uh, networking and helping each other and you know learning from each other so lots happening out there so make sure you check that and i have linked everything on the show note of this episode over at theinspiringtalk.com for us last 15 make sure you check that so lena before i say you goodbye please share with my audience the last piece of advice that you want to give away or uh, something that you have learned from this journey of yours what would be that message that you want to give out Embrace who you are. Embrace who you are. You are perfect as you are and just be dedicated to your own personal growth. You know, not because of anyone. Don't compare yourself to any other human being. Always remember you are completely unique. There is no one else like you on the planet. And so don't compare yourself with other people. But it is your duty if you are on this planet and if you are practicing awareness that you take full responsibility for your life and that you move your thoughts in a positive direction every day, every single moment that you can. You, you pull your mind, your mind, you hold its hand and you take it to where you want to go. Otherwise, the mind will go off and walk into dark places. It's like a child. You have to keep holding its hand. Come here, darling. I love you. Let's go this way. This is good for us. This is what we want. And you will create whatever reality that you want like that it's all in your doing you are worthy you are loved beyond measure because you wouldn't be alive otherwise and yeah whatever you want to create you can you know it's a new year um, that's approaching and so nothing is off limits doesn't matter about your story doesn't matter about your past your location you have access to infinite intelligence and the creator wherever you are so yeah Stop giving bullshit excuses, yes. I have to say, in your talk. Yes, <laughs> yes. stop giving bullshit excuses for your limitations. There are none other than the ones you create for yourself. This has been phenomenal, Lena. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I've had so much fun. There you have it, guys. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode with Lena. If you did, please, please, please make sure that you share this with your friends and help them learn what you just learned from Lena's journey by visiting theinspiringtalk.com forward slash 15. And I would be humbled if you could leave a comment about what you feel about this episode and other episodes of The Inspiring Talk podcast. And finally, as Lena said, stop telling bullshit stories to yourself that stops you from becoming who you truly are. Focus your brain on how to make it happen rather than why it can't be done. Thank you for listening. I'll catch you in the next. Now, go out there and do something inspiring.